Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. Hey everyone, welcome back to Gold Mines. Boy, have I missed you! It has been another crazy week here in New York. We're all getting settled in with uh, Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court and how that is going to affect us. And when I say us, I mean us women. Anyhow, we're going to have to get steadfast, ladies. Get to voting. Let's take it out in the polls. Let's vote. It's important. You don't like what's happening? Say something about it. Don't be lazy. Come on. It's getting cold. It's fall. Thinking about Thanksgiving. Thinking about Halloween. Ooh, what are you going to be? What am I going to be? My kid is going to be Bendy. It's a very disturbing video game character. If you see us, say what's up. We'll be around trick-or-treating in the lower. Let's get on with our interview today. We are talking to a real trendsetter, somebody who really knew something when she saw it and someone who's a connector and someone who propagates culture. Also a very dear friend, Miss Roxy Cottontail. Roxy, to me, was a real beacon in in a dark time in New York City, you know, post 9-11, when everybody was sort of like licking their wounds and trying to come back to some sort of normalcy here in New York City. It was a very dark time in retrospect. Her parties and her vibe really brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people. Without further ado, let's bring out the one, the only, Roxy Cocktail. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, I am... I was doing a lot of research. I do a lot of research before I interview guests, even guests that I know very well. And I was literally shocked I could not find anything on the internet. I saw the recent article talking about Hollertronics, <laughs> but I'm like, where is Roxy in this story? You're like the woman for the people in nightlife. Thank you. I sure am. So Roxy... Came to New York to go to college. Oh, back to the beginning. Oh, design school, mm-hmm. right? And then you started going to clubs. So, yeah, I came to New York to go to Pratt um, from... Shout out to the Pratt Posse. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> and um, I'm originally from Maryland, outside of Baltimore. And uh, when I moved here, I didn't really... I knew that I was a visual, creative but I thought everybody had that gift, and don't they, they? they don't. <laughs> uh, my mom, you know, she, thank God, she was super supportive, and she kind of channeled me in the right direction, or it could have gone really bad. So it wasn't until, like, my freshman year that I saw these rich kids coming in with projects, and I realized that I actually do have talent because my work would blow them out of the water. Actually, this little elf, I, like, sculpted this little elf, like, a hundred times bigger out of plasticine, and it was, like, perfect. And I was like, oh, my God, my mom was right. So, when you know. You mean elf, the Yeah, this elf, I had this, like, little, like, uh-huh. Happy Meal toy or something. And then you were like, and oh. And then I brought that in and compared it to everybody else's work, and I was like, wow, I'm really good. See, it wasn't, I didn't really take myself seriously until okay. I saw that. And then right, I, you and were then like, oh, like, my elf art is real. And then I was like a, a student and did everything I could to possibly achieve my goals in the visual arts and three dimensions. And then I worked for H. Stern, which is a jeweler. They did this really cool window display and had a stone setter, polisher, and a designer in their window on Fifth Avenue, and I was the designer. And that was the, my first job, like, coming out of Pratt. And I was like, it was also, like, modeling, but it was also, like, okay. they wanted to see my visions, and it was, like, all my drawings were, like, all over this room. They were like, young people! <laughs> and um, <laughs> then th- that was the best summer, and then I made a lot of money, and then 9-11 happened, and I was like, wow, this uh, is kind of a— Yeah, this is a harsh blow, and— uh, like my world and everybody in New York and it just like really it was it wasn't the New York that I had been living in and changed so much for so many people and I decided that I should maybe try to seek other opportunities so you went to Philly went to Philly why Philly uh there was a designer I was working for named Paul Morelli well there we go yeah so when you were in Philly is that where you sort of dipped your toe into, like, nightlife? No, no, my toe was actually dipped into nightlife when I was a, like, junior. or In between my junior and senior year, I became roommates with Justine D. That was my first real introduction to nightlife. And seeing a woman— What did she do, Green Door? 
What was her big Saturday night party back in the 90s? Well, Motherfucker was her Oh, huge, Motherfucker, of course, her of course. Huge party of course. on the holidays. Yes. And then she did Spa on Wednesdays. She did Don Hills. Don Hills, Tiz right, Rez at right, Don right. Hills. She even did Sway, I think, on Mondays before I took over Sway, when it was like a new wave rock and roll night. Right. Yeah, she was really, like, she is my first mentor and showed me, like, and she did it sober. I was like, what is this? Like, Who goddess. are you? Exactly. <laughs> How do you handle all of this? So I kind of, like, learned by osmosis, and I was promoting her parties anyway because I loved them. And she was like, you're so good at this. And I was like, she's like, do you want to guest list? Like, we can pay you. And I was like, yeah. And so then I started sub-promoting for Motherfucker. Ah. And I had my little— I think RS on the flyers. So anyone that would brought that, I would get paid on those. And that's how I first started promoting and getting involved in nightlife. So she, at the same time, she was bringing like the AAS, Rapture, Andrew WK, The Hives, doing all these shows with Motherfucker. There was a promoter named Dave Pianca in Philly also. So that was part of the appeal is like, I can take this job in Philly because I know Dave P, the biggest promoter there, and I can make friends anywhere. And so taking that job in Philly designing really was like, he, I knew that I would have a place. Yes, Justine put the the bug in your ear. But Philadelphia is where you sort of got your, you know, yeah. the expression, your teeth wet. Exactly. So Dave P was doing like the similar party that Justine was doing in New York. But at the same time, I made some friends there. My friend Lauren introduced me to Jason Musson, who is an amazing artist now. At the time, he couldn't even, like, make a living at a coffee shop. He was, like, bouncing around different coffee shops. But he had a rap group named Plastic Little, and they— They were so good. Oh, no. they <laughs> So funny. He invited me to my first Hollertronics. And it was at this Ukrainian dance hall in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. And it was— just a magical place. And coming from Baltimore, I heard these like kids DJing and it was like new wave mixed with like some trap or crunk then. And I was like, this is cool. Then they started playing Baltimore club music. And I was like, I haven't heard this since like Doodoo Brown in 1997, like since I graduated high school. I'm like, what the, why would anyone be playing this music? But I love that music. Sure. And so that's why I was like, holy shit, like so, this is something. So this whole like mashup, turn of the century music rooted in hip hop, but has a hand with Riot Girls, New Wave. Punk oh, yeah. Rock, like, they were mixing Latino with, right. uh, you know, The Clash and David Banner with Rob And so Lee this is sort of like the weird, like, predecessor of, like, EDM. Yeah, for sure. Yes, right. For so sure. it's like everyone says sort of house music is EDM, but yeah. it's sort of a mashup more than just one specific music. I mean, it does stem, I think it does stem from house, but it, the way that it became palatable for other mass people is that it mixes all of these elements that make it Okay, so you're popular. in Philly, you, you're in Holotronics. <laughs> How do you get involved with, with those guys? So I went to the first one and I was like, holy shit. I remember meeting Spank Rock, who had, like, a fifth of Jameson in his back pocket and, like, Elvis Presley gold glasses on. And I was like, who is— And he could dance like James Brown. And I was like, who I mean, is this guy? he's a style icon. People just don't know. Well, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, he was amazing to me, and I was like, you're the best. I met Amanda that night also. Amanda Blank. Shout out to Amanda Blank. 
I was like, this is amazing. So it happened once a month. And at the time, I was working this jewelry job, but the economy wasn't doing great. And I was had I was commuting, taking Jersey Transit to SEPTA like twice a week, which was insane. Like that commute was crazy. What's SEPTA? <laughs> SEPTA <laughs> is <laughs> the um, Southeast uh, Pennsylvania Transit Authority. Something oh, like that. okay. Yeah, and it's the ratchet way to get around in Philly. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, some of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and so, um, but so then I was like, I'll just move there because I, you know, found a really cool loft with two boring girls. And I was working a lot. And then on the weekends, this, I would go out. And then I made friends with so many different people. And then I was like coming back to New York. Also, I missed New York. I was like, what was I thinking, like moving here? Because mm-hmm. Dave was like, you're not going to last a year. And I was like, no, I know, I'll be okay. But I was bored. And so I moved back after 10 months. And, you know, I was coming back to New York, like, I think twice a month and just like, I want to be back here. So then I was like, bringing a portfolio and trying to get another job back in New York. And then at the same time, I was like, Justine, like these DJs, Holotronics are like the next thing. Like, I want to do what you did for motherfucker, but I want to do it in New York with them. And she was like, you should do it. No one else is going to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so the first one was down here on John Street, the first Holotronics that I did. Well, at the time, they also were releasing this mixtape called Never Scared. And Holotronics is Diplo. Diplo and Low, low and Budget. Low budget. Yeah, right. Low Beasy. MC Licks was like the MC that kind of got everybody really turned up. And it was it was amazing amazing time and so New York was really still such a sad place and I was like New York needs this New York was devastated by 9-11 it did need nightlife so much to pull everyone out and also at that time though Giuliani was like doing his cabaret things oh that's right you couldn't dance oh my god what the hell and so I was I remember like Turntable Lab was really involved in the Holotronics mixtape and releasing it and getting it out. And the New York Times of 2003 gave it best album of 2003, like the top 10 albums of 2003. It wasn't an album. It was this crazy mixtape. Wow. And at the time, I remember like right before that came out, like Diplo started trading records on eBay with like RJD2 and a bunch of other crazy producers. And he was like, I've made it like that. Back then, he was like, I've made it. And, oh, you know, yeah. No, that was yeah. like a big deal. And so, um, you know, I, ha- I had to tell, like, Turntable Lab and everyone involved. I'm like, we can't. They wanted to do it at pianos. I'm like, we cannot do this at pianos. So I ended up getting them Tribeca Grand Ballroom, which huh. was insane. Justine helped me do that. And so after that, then I started doing my own Hollertronics party. Just to put this in context, I'm trying to make a relation between when I met you, when all this stuff was going on. I met you because I wanted you to model for <laughs> the Warriors, the Swindle. Right, that's right. I did an all female modern version of the Warriors and their crews. And I was the Rogues. You I was the leader of the Rogues. were the leader of the Rogues. And we met, and that was it. That was it. We fell in love. And so when we met— And I, that was 2000— I think four. Two, I'm going to say it's 2000 and— 
three. Three. Early 2003. I don't know. My my memory is not so great. But I um, remember because, so I had taken this job and I moved back. Design. That's where I met Marion. Was designing um, uh, with your bag company. That's <laughs> yes. right. Your cosmetic packaging. Cosmo- I see. I remember. Yeah, everything. it was I do. so boring, but great that they gave me this like platform to get out of Philly and back in New York. And I was promoting at night and working there during the day. And Marion was like, "I was like, can you do all my work for me?" And I, she was like, sure. Yeah, she was yeah, like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a conversation <laughs> like that, but I was like— You're like, finish this. You're going to be my it. fucking yeah. friend for life. Yeah. And then she did the door for me one night and did the guest list, and I was like, you're you're the bomb. And so when we met, I, was, I wanted to get out of this full-time job that I had, so I was like, I'll basically do anything— and you gave me a job turning your artwork into illustrator files. That's correct. <laughs> I vectorizing baby. <laughs> and I was so grateful. And I remember Greg and Sabrina. I think Sabrina was like twelve. <laughs> younger. <laughs> My God. Yeah. But um Shout out co- to the the Passantino. Yeah. And posse. and Haley and coming into work and like, who are all these kids? Like this oh, is yeah. crazy. But you've always been about the youth. And so I loved working for you. Was it was like, fun. It wasn't even work. It's like you got to hang out with Claw. Like that's the best job ever. So you modeled, you did some vector stuff for me. We all started talking about Sway on Monday, your oh party. My. There was a little cabal, right? It was Greg, Dussel Rock, mm-hmm. myself, and you. And sort of plan Roxy's oh my. look, the website. Those were some of the, you know, most sort of fun I cherish work those collaborations. Times. Yeah. So the those parties to me, it's interesting because I'm old and I had been going out for a good 15 years before that you know like all old people say you know when I was young let me tell you the parties were so much better but really the parties were great in the 80s the parties were great in the 90s but the family atmosphere of the early 2000s at your parties were the best because It was such an eclectic, interesting mix of people. There was no pretense at these parties. So, yeah, the Karen O is sitting there, but, you know, so is real. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to real. (laughs) Shout out to real. Right? We would bring the whole Bronx down. That was so fun. But more than just those parties, you sort of ushered in this whole new crop of talent. Into I sort sure of did. the the stratosphere, I guess. Really starting with with Diplo, yeah. Then you sort of brought MIA into light. Sam- well, he he actually found her. Of course he yeah. did. But I'm just saying by yes. association. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean that MIA party was when she her first performance in New York. That was off the chain. Yeah, it was. And I so mean, impactful for her career. Very, very. And he was discovering all these different artists as well as myself. Like, it was like a team effort. 
But the records that they were playing, I was like, why can't we bring, like, Bunby here? Like, why can't we bring Rod Lee from Baltimore? Why can't we bring these French guys, TTC, from Paris? Like, you, he was playing these records, and I'm like, we should have them perform and do something even bigger. I mean, Andre Nicotino. Oh, he's my favorite. <laughs> Devin the Dude. Even A-Track, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. So I booked one of Chromio's first shows in New York, down here at the Knitting Factory on, is it church? Was it yeah. a church? I was so excited because this was like Holotronics and Chromio. And I really thought it was going to be like the biggest party I've ever done. And Chromio had just come out. Their like single needy girl had just come out with on Vice. It snowed. It was like projected snow. I think it snowed like 13 inches, but I still had 200 people come out. But I was devastated. Maybe not even 200, like 140. But I was devastated. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Right. But the club is like— expected how many people? Oh, I thought like 800 people were going to okay. come. And so— Did they like, even have capacity for that? I don't know. I, I mean, I thought there was going to—we would have to turn people away. That's okay. what I was hoping for. Sure. And, you know, at the time, like, I was promoting on all these different message boards, like Splay and the Holler Board— and then I was, like, searching people on Friendster for their music interests because I was, like, I need to invite, all, like, as many people out as I can. So this is, like, I was—I exp- had, like, had projected all these people. And I was, like, dropping flyers at every freaking sneaker store downtown, and I thought it was going to be huge. Well, it snowed. The club was still, like, how did you get this many people to come out here? Like In this a snowstorm. In a snowstorm. And I was, like— this is nothing, you know, I was like <laughs> devastated. But at that time, at, during soundcheck, Dave won a Chromeo. He's like, oh, Roxy, I want you to meet my brother, Elaine. And the, like two nights before, Bugsy had taken me, who's my club dad. Yeah, shout, shout out, out to, to Bugsy. Bugsy. He gave me my second weekly party at Soho 323, his club at the time back then. And uh, he was like, do you want to go see Usher tonight at MSG? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Kanye was opening for Usher. A-Track was Kanye's DJ at the time. So I had seen this, like, young boy on stage, and I was like, yo, that kid is good. Like, it's not really, like, my style. DMC champion. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what that is, but I just found out. He told me it's um, Disco Master... Chopper. Something like that. No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I forget what it is. But it has Disco. I'm like, Disco? I would not expect Disco. And so he is DJing, and I'm like, whatever. I had this party to uh, promote, and Dave comes out. He's like, I want you to meet my brother, Elaine. I was like, yo, weren't you just DJing last night? He was like, yeah, I was. I was like, wow, you're dope. And he was like, thanks, whatever. Then Dave, one, was actually teaching French literature at Columbia at that time. And so he was living in New York. Elaine, A-Track, was still in Montreal, but he would come down to New York all the time to visit his brother, and they all started coming to my parties, and— A-Track was like, I want to DJ one of your hipster parties. And I was like, that was a a good one. (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. I was like, I don't know if people are going to get this like DMC thing. Okay, of course, all the dudes come. I mean, it was a sausage party, of course, but it was. It always was a sausage party. (laughs) It It was like, if we didn't go to your party, there were, it was all dudes. (laughs) And so, but anyway, that, I was like, of course, all these guys want to come out and watch you cut records up. And I was like, Okay, this is insane. And so we started doing, I mean, I was like doing parties in Houston, Miami, and all over, you know, really pushing forward 
that movement of music and and San Francisco. I think we all did a trip to San Francisco too. And Marion at the time had introduced me to Dust and was like, he needs to do all your art. It was like working with him, he took my twisted ideas and made them magic. He was able to put a sort of visual language on your ideas and communicate it through art. R.I.P. R.I.P. to our boy, Dustle Rock. We love you and we miss you every day. Yeah. And so what happened? Why? I mean, I feel like all good things must come to an end. Retail Mafia Mondays. <laughs> I even DJed at one of those parties. <laughs> the skinny bones. That's right. <laughs> Stretch Armstrong. Stretch Armstrong. Uh, Shout out to Stretch. That's right. Dash No. And Dash. D- Dash No DJed my birthday party. Remember well, that? Did he DJ under another alter ego? Yes, Snowy Flakes. Snowy Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, DJ Snowy Flakes. There was mounting pressure from Sway to sort of end that party because it was— so there's a wild? lot of like what was it? Was it like too wild? It was, too much it was, weed? It was like, crazy. Well, there was you it was know, the it was the only place to smoke yeah, weed in 2004. I remember <laughs> this guy Oscar that I used to date would come and bring a box of blunts and a box of weed, empty like a cigar boxes, and he would leave whenever one was finished. But then. You know, best you, boyfriend ever, right? <laughs> you had to start, <laughs> right? You had to start bringing. I had to start promoting with a nightlife photographer, which who knows at the time would have been a good or bad thing. But then a photo got out on the web, and then all chaos ensued. I see because you can't be promoting that. So then, like the weed got shut down, and it kind of changed everything in the right, party because they were they were really like on you now yeah. right they were like looking at everything you were doing it wasn't that sort of like free will yeah, it wasn't a free for atmos- all anymore right <laughs> that like atmosphere of being not judged and yeah. just sort of being in this well, like now, very like protected bubble that yeah that was the beginning of really when social media kind of ruined ru- nightlife yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ruined a lot more than nightlife yeah but. yeah yeah, so it was it was every you know it was like I was making records also with Armand Van Helden and Larry T and different producers and I was touring. I had started DJing. I really had so much going on that I was like employing cottontails like left and right. I mean, I one year I did like 20 1099s and I was like, "Who the hell am I? Like I can't what am I doing? You know, but I was like running a real entertainment company sure. and not knowing what I, I mean, it was like, it's really hard to do that when you're a creative, hyper creative person, as you know. You know what? I like love the business shit. I'm like so good at that. Yeah, no, I am. Like I should, I wish I didn't have any like visual art oh, talent. Honestly, like I, I really miss well, my I actually calling. like I to sh- do my taxes. I don't, I don't know. There I be number crunching. <laughs> okay. Real bitches number crunch. Okay. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> so. so they were pressuring you. We don't want this. Then your your people are like, oh, well, we can't smoke. Where are we going to go? Like, What are we going to do? We can't go it there. Got, it, got it just had it hard. Yeah. Right. And I'm like traveling the world also. I mean, Right, and it wasn't your first priority. Yeah, it wasn't my first priority. But, you know, I tried to—I mean, I think it went on for, like, eight years. Every Monday night for eight years is, like, 
Amazing. 24 I years mean, and like dog years or whatever. Totally. Like nightlife years. Like, totally. But it's crazy like how all those memories, like it was the best times ever. It was like so many people. It was like you were going home. Every, you know yeah, what I mean? It was and, my living room. And if you th- think about it, like just Tuesday morning, what a nightmare. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because you just knew Monday night, that's like where you had to be. And does that like exist anymore? I don't like, is Monday, like, is what night's Monday the night? night? No one, it's, it's, no one has there is the no dedication night. to anything anymore. That's so annoying. And like, I just feel like people have just no integrity. I think that it's very difficult. It's a very uh, fickle. fickle Business. Hey, girl. Jinx. <laughs> First of all, say my name three times because I don't want seven years of bad luck. Call, call, call. <laughs> so with the pressure, no weed, you're very busy. Now you're becoming a recording artist. Sway sort of had to step to the side. And you sort of gave that to one of your cottontails who sort of took mm-hmm. over like management of Sway. Yeah. Shout out to Pebbles. Shout out to Pebs. We love you. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to do sort of this hybrid house rap. Yeah. What would you What would you call that? Electro. Electro. I think I would. But it, but but it was kind of rap. It is. But why does uh, everything have to be so categorized? Isn't that annoying? Yeah, it's no, just music, I know. right? It's just great music. But I think it. I mean, it, it, the base of it is electro, but what's over top is. Just and fun party music. Sort of, I felt at the time it was almost, it was too early. It was sort of like people weren't ready for that, like in your face, sort of electro hybrid. Oh my God. It's, it's everywhere. I mean, I mean, it, I mean it, it is it's now. It's kind but of it like was, had its, I feel like it's regressed now, but Electric Daisy, I, that was like my last huge gig in Jersey. I opened up the Jack stage and I was like, amazed how many kids were there for EDC. It's like, you don't think about electro or just house music being festival. Like, it's for me, it was like a dark, grimy club. Right. When I'm listening to anything, I want to be like... Sure. You know, I don't know. It's it's so strange to see it become this like mass consumer thing. Right, very commercial, very sort of television commercial soundtracky, right? Like it's very like in the mix of our culture. Yeah. You know, you sort of like broke that open into like acceptability. And then sort of Roxy Cottontail disappeared. Mm -hmm. The parties kind of disappeared. Yeah. You needed to regroup? Well, it was a lot of things. I... Got tired of never seeing the sun. I got tired. Sure. It's, it's a vampire's yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like with my creativity, if I'm not challenged, then I get bored. So, for instance, uh, you would be a, an incredible A&R person. Why didn't you want to pursue that side of the business? Because when I was— 17 years old and I moved to New York to be a designer I never did it I felt like if I don't do that I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life and I always wanted that skyscraper in the sky and you know at my fabulous desk and just overseeing a brand or 
contributing to the design of a brand. Don't you find that to be like really just like a sort of a childish fantasy? Because yes. design work is so like laborious, non-glamorous and like— It is, but I felt like I had to do that. Okay. At the time, I also—you know, my background had been jewelry design. And at the time, I found out like 3D printing was taking over the jewelry industry. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. I was also helping Bugsy. I said, give me work, anything I can do to like not be in nightlife because I had been like burnt out. Sure. And, you know, I was by myself all the, a lot of the time traveling around. You don't get to travel with someone. It's like very lonely. And I was like, I just want to, you know, be with my, my friends and my people. My people, right. And so I started doing all the social media for Rizzo's. And that's going on, I think it was just four-year anniversary. Mm. So, you know, he started opening up the pizzeria. And so I said, you know, let me do all your social media, doing events there. I was doing CAD work and marketing for a vape company called Puffco. And— Shout out to Roger. <laughs> and um, <laughs> really just doing any, like, oddball jobs that—not oddball, but, you know, yeah, other just, right. creative work that I could do that wasn't freelance. in a club. Freelance but life. But I was still DJing. Um, you know, probably like two or three nights a week, not five like I had been before. Uh -huh. So I went back to school. And for me, music is creative, but I am such a visual person that working in 3D or anything that's like visual I, art. Yeah, I'm just, I feel more accomplished when I've held something in my hands that I've made. Okay. Than just music. And music, you can't, I mean, it's an experience. Yes, it's I was right, like, but it's not tangible. Try to write it right. off. As okay. Like, oh, it's atmosphere design. Um, you know, but, <laughs> because it is. It, it is. But for me, like, I love creating that experience for people. But I needed to do something for myself. And I had just been giving and giving. I was like, downtown's going to miss me. Oh my God, what are they going to do? But the world goes on. And like, I was, I don't know why I felt like such guilt from leaving, but I was like, you know what? I need to get Roxy right. Cause I wasn't happy. Amen. Yeah. Now you're DJing three nights a week. You're working, designing jewelry and accessories. And you sort of have had like a revival back into nightlife, but now it also takes place during the day. <laughs> Yes. Tell me yes. about that. So this was like my brunch parties with Erickson and Ian. We started doing drag brunch before anyone else was doing a drag brunch. Every Sunday at Yotel for about five years, this party was the craziest. This is like when I think the New York Times called it the 4 a.m. vibe at 3 p.m. And did a story on, like, all, like, Lavo and Our Brunch and Bagatelle and all these different places that were doing brunch. Because this is, like, a thing now. Yeah. Right? Now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These kids can't stay up late. <laughs> well, it's it, it was cool because you had, like, kids there. You had all kind of different people who don't go out. And so it was a great way for me to transition, like, the crowd that had been doing late nights into like a daytime. And so we had Varsity Interpretive Dance Squad, which was kind of like an SNL skip performing and then drag queens performing. We would do a birthday runway where everyone would do a walk off. And it was just a celebration of life. It was the most and fun. It was so much fun. Right. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And it was like unlimited 
food and drinks for like $45. So mm. that's when it started at 35 and then the price went up. As it should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to commandeer a night, is that like in our future? You ever think about it? Or is it hard now that you're like, you switch sides and you're like in a full-time job yeah, with real hours? Yeah, I was actually hours? just offered a Friday night at a, a hotel and I th- I like waking up early and I know, it's doing my doing your thing. health and wellness and— Self-care. Yeah, that's just—priorities have shifted. And also, don't you find it annoying that, like, hotels are, like, the epicenter oh, yeah. of nightlife? And it's because they can get around the liquor license cabaret laws, and they can infiltrate in a neighborhood— and the club experience is now corporatized. Yeah, it's crazy. So, what are the cool clubs in New York? I'm asking you. You're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that House of Yes is in Brooklyn, okay. and it's amazing. It's a wild time every time I've been. I've okay, DJed there a few times, and it is a hoot and a half. Okay, but it's all in Brooklyn. I mean, if you want to go to some gross nightlife. Grimy party, that's where you have to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. where I have to be. I don't know if it's in this. I think, like, Westway was, like, the last grimy, fun Tears. club. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is there any big clubs in Manhattan? Like, what's the club? I know. there. I can't even think of it. Shout out to all you <laughs> club promoters out there not doing your job. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not to be like uh, you know a bummer, but like, what would you want to see like written on your on your tombstone about you? Like, what do you want to be remembered for? Because it might be different than what other people remember you for. That's hard. I feel like you should have like some anniversary party. That would be bomb. dot com. And get all your headliners. You're like, is everyone going to be in New York the week of June 12th? <laughs> Where are you guys? We're doing House of Yes, okay? Be there or be square. It could happen, but... It's a lot of work. It's a lot, it's a lot, of, lot of organizing, right? A lot of sponsorship dollars. Yeah, I just hosted a... Well, it was the celebration for the Hollerboard. It's kind of like the 15-year reunion of this message board that we all used to post on. It was like you where you would get every remix and... Like, we dissed Uffy so much. She wrote a diss song about the message board. I mean, it was a lot of beef going on. I promoted a lot of my parties on this message board. But, yeah, it was an um, amazing time. I don't know, to, like, try to resurrect that again for a night. And for, like, a new generation of kids that don't really understand how, And it's hard to get out the people that do understand. Like, who's going out? (laughs) <laughs> I know. Everyone's like old and so like I, I don't know. You know, and that's not really where your like focus is. Oh, not at all. And so I haven't been out. I mean, unless I'm paid to go out really. Right. And I, I still have a residency at Mr. Purple. Okay. Um, that's once a month on Saturday nights. That I love. And I do, I do love to do that. But Shout out to the Gerber brothers. Yeah. I go, hey. <laughs> I, um, it's down the block from my store. Yeah. Yeah. I like that spot. Yeah, me too. It's really nice. Who are you feeling right now music-wise? Like, what does Roxy have her eye on now? Oh, my God. 
You heard it here first. God's new <laughs> record. Oh, my. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm loving Blood Orange. Okay. Um, There's so many people, like, independently putting out their music on, like, SoundCloud and stuff that it's just there's too much to go there's through. There's too much. Oh, is it? It's too much, right? There's it's like much. an oversaturated. Oh, yeah. Like, the set that I play out is, like, at Mr. Purple's, like, a mix of, like, throwbacks, but also, like, commercial music and then my house and, like— Classics. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I couldn't even, like, tell you, like, who the next pop singer or a breakout underground artist would be right now, which is, like, something that I used to, like— obsess over sure because there's just too much so i would rather just listen to what i i love than right then like so, like have to sift through tons of terrible yeah. music yeah there's so much crap well i just feel like social media and the access to the masses through these platforms have made everyone a visual artist, a recording artist, a creative a director, creative director, a fashion designer, a blogger. You know, that's part of the reason that I stop because I am not I don't like to self-promote and I hate talking about how great I am. And even though I'm amazing, I'm like You are my dear. <laughs> but I just am I just it despises me that that's like a career now for people. And so I was like I really don't want anything to do with this. Like that just turned me off so much that I was like this shit is not for me. It is so whack. You're too real. You're I too real so. for the internet, yo. <laughs> I mean, there was a time when I was, you know, I was like where is the competition? And then I found them. So right, but me. if you but it's funny because it, pound for pound, if you put you guys up against each other, there's no way you could lose because it's all fluff and superficial surface shit. With them, you're like a deep bitch, and Thanks. you care, and you are a, a lover and someone who spreads love, positivity, and you know real like sisterhood shit where they're more backstabby. And I yeah. find that the internet has proliferated this attitude of meanness and negativity. And what we're missing in this world is, is Roxy Cotton. <laughs> and uh, I say, bring it, bring it on back. Oh, I'm super excited to tell the world if they're listening, how amazing you are and what, an important role you played in both New York City and sort of it was a convergence of all these subcultures that came together, whether it was hip-hop, skateboard. There's also sort of the New York City downtown subculture, which is sort of would be hard to explain, right? If you yeah. were going to explain that sort of like retail mafia Claw money, a life, yeah. and it and was sort it of was like just like this intersection of creative minds that really like pushed fashion, visual art, like street skate, 
it blossomed so much for so many people that no one really knows or like gives credit to what was going on then and how much it has transformed the world that we have today. We're not, you know, really like pushing the boundaries, testing things. Everything seems very safe now, right? Uh, Nobody wants to kind of push back. We live in scary times, and I I guess people just are are, um, letting their creativity like die within themselves. There was a feeling of hope where there kind of is not now. There was a feeling of like, we'll get through this. We can do this. Let's hold hands and like walk together. And now it's sort of like, we're all going to die. Like (laughs) whatever. It's defeating times now. And back then it was like, I could do anything, you know? I mean, I still feel that way with myself. Like I can do anything, but it's not as a large part of the community as it was then. Right. And the community has changed a lot because people kind of grow up and now their focus is not on the community, it's on their fam, their, you know, families and themselves and sort of just kind of getting by in New York, which is so difficult financially now, that I think that there's there's an apathy towards community and uh, in a real way. Yeah. Maybe we can sit and powwow after this interview how how to recreate that spark in youth culture, in New York City culture, specifically downtown culture. How do we make downtown cool again? Yeah, let's 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 spark it up. Feel free to leave us any comments if you have any good ideas because <laughs> we we want to know. We sure do. And so one of my many run-ins with the law. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a good one. <laughs> was with you. At a My Little Pony party. That's right. <laughs> and uh, It gets better. You know, everybody, like, uh, my entire <laughs> life, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm pushing, uh, I'm on the dark side of 45. Let's be real. But I've been... <laughs> I have been smoking weed on the street, like, for a long time. Oh, look, I wore this belt buckle for you. Oh, yes, you did. It is a <laughs> weed belt buckle, but a 60s one, very, oh, like, yeah. vintage and good. Of course, your style. Very, very chic. And uh, I was in this My Little Pony, what was it, 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary, something like that. It was yeah, all. Yeah, and um, I think, I know Justine did, like, the disco pony, was she covered did. in mirrors. She did. Right? Yeah. I Heart had a pony. Did I Heart have I think a pony? So. Oh, it's all the girls. Uh, it was yeah. an all women artist show, I yeah, believe. It was all girls. And was that milk before milk was milk? It was on 15th Street on the west side. Okay. Okay. Was. We were outside with a posse, one of which in the posse was Andre Harrell, Uptown Records, right? Yes. Puffy, uh, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him. And I, I, I was, was DJing his, this event, right? Yeah, you were DJ. DJ L. Shout out to DJ L. Shout out to DJ L, my birthday mm-hmm. twin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Andre Harrell, Puffy, you know, P. Diddy was his intern, and he gave him his whole, you know, yep. shout out to Andre Harrell. Minya, shout yes. out to my my bitch Minya, number one, number one gun in the sun. My boyfriend, who's now my husband. 
Jesse. Real. Shout out Real. Real's getting a lot of play. Yeah. And we were smoking a joint. And were you giving me a shotgun or was I giving you? were giving me a shotgun. I was giving you a shotgun. I can't remember. Maybe I was giving you. I don't know. It was down to the last All of a sudden, this car screeches down the street, pulls up on the sidewalk right like within an inch of us. And they're like, hold it right there. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, what? What do you mean? I thought you can do this, right? My usual thing. Yeah, I wasn't holding anything. It was in your we, mouth. It was in my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> and uh, and then we started like talking nice to the cops and like semi flirting with them. My my. You actually were being really mean to them, and they liked it. Oh, was I? Yeah. Oh, I thought I was being. You uh, no, they were like. Oh, I was, like, dissing them from being from Long Island. And I was like, oh, I'm from Long Island. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know what you were saying to them, but you were actually, like, it was like, I was like, oh, my God, she's going to offend them, and we're going to go to jail. (laughs) But But they loved it. Because you were, like, flirting with them also. And my husband (laughs) was so, he was just like, you don't need to talk like that to that. I was like, I don't want to go to jail. Anyway, Andre Harrell moonwalked away. As soon as the cops came, <laughs> he literally, like, he was like, where? He, the like, moonwalked. Like, he was just like, poof, and he was they, gone. they asked for <laughs> our IDs. And I said, well, I'm DJing. That's right. I have to go get it. So I had to go inside. I'm like, L, Claw and I just got rolled up on by the <laughs> freaking pigs. And I have to give them my ID. Remember, we went to go to our court appearance and they adjourned us. us. And we were like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, girl, hi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we both got written up citations or summons, and yeah, we got out of that one. They were but like, I let these cute girls go. Jesse was like, "You don't need." They weren't. Oh, I could tell right away that they weren't going to arrest you. I was like, I couldn't tell that, and I was not going to jail that night. Yeah, and now you can just. I smell weed on the street everywhere. On Delancey, it's crazy how much that is. Oh, you. <laughs> it's because you're on Delancey, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a, it's different times now, and now it's I'm sure it's going to be legal sooner than later. It's going to be it's practically legal now. Yeah. Jose just told us they are voting on it in New Jersey next month. It's going to be legal, recreational. Let's go to Jersey and start a party. I'm ready. Let's roll. <laughs> we can bring sway Mondays back. <laughs> Let's sway on over to the George Washington Bridge, bitches. Let's go. We had a lot of good we times, sure did. and. Um, you know, when I roll back the Rolodex of, of my life, those were really super happy times. I longed for that New York and the sisterhood of it all, all the friendships and sort of the innocence. You know, I mourn the innocence of us just kind yeah. of doing what we wanted to do. And now sort of everyone's watching. Yeah. What I notice now in clubs or club uh, lifestyle is everything is sort of like performative where like you're dancing because there's cameras. (sighs) But if there's no cameras, you're not dancing where it used to be like there better be no cameras because I'm dancing. (laughs) (laughs) And there's like a real shift. What I think would be a super banging party idea would be like leave your phones at the door kind of thing like this is not like no social yeah, media yeah well Bergein and Panorama Bar in Berlin does that well let's go <laughs> but you have to check your camera and your phone 
I think. Or they put, maybe you put a sticker over your phone, something like that. But yeah, I think I checked my phone when I went there. It was, it's a freeing feeling. Yeah. But that was even before I I was there probably like 2010. And I mean, that was before even really social media has. I find that a lot of people really take their like Instagram way too seriously. For me personally, I find it to be a job that I don't want to have. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's. And sometimes, sometimes I really enjoy it when I'm not under, like, sort of pressure for for a project or having to promote something. And then, of course, you know, that's, that non-pressured comes, like, my best jokes and, you know, where I'm willing to reveal more of myself, right? (laughs) You're the meme queen. I'm the meme queen. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and bringing some light to the unsung queen of (laughs) turn of the century, nightlife, music, fashion, all things cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Claudia. Yeah, y'all. Oh, man. Hey, girl, hey. It's not every day that you get to interview someone that you feel like you know so well and really get a new perspective on why they did what they did and how selflessly they kind of went about it. I think that Roxy never really understood why she did it. She just knew she had to. She had to let the universe know about these people. And we're at, you know, Earth's HQ here in New York City. So it's a good place to start. We need more Roxy Cottontails in New York City, in the world, giving us music for just the sake of the music, for giving us personalities for just the sake of the personalities with really no personal gain, no accolades, nobody's there to pat you on the back, except for, you know, some of us were there, some of us remember, and some of us think that we owe you a debt of gratitude So does our culture and our community. Thank you for doing all this work, Roxy, and bringing this music to the people. We love you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Find us on iTunes, on Google Play, and at ACAST.com. Also, we are now on Spotify. What? Okay, you know the spot on Spotify. Give us some comments. We want to hear from you. Find myself, Claudia Gold, at Claw Money on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Claw Co, Kids Line, Claw Mini, and in person at 101 Delancey, corner of Ludlow, Lower East Side, New York City. Be there or be square. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.